Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. When you think of Mississippi authors, a few names come to mind. Eudora Welty, William Faulkner, Richard Wright. But what about more modern authors? What about authors that are currently publishing or have upcoming books? Join Elizabeth and Tracy as they talk about their favorite modern Mississippi authors. Stay tuned. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. I'm Tracy, and today I'm here with Elizabeth, and we are going to talk about our favorite modern Mississippi writers. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. You know, when we think about Mississippi literature, um, we have a lot of really huge names that with national and international recognition, like William Faulkner, Richard Wright, Eudora Welty. There's a very long list, um, but those are sort of the classics. So what we're going to talk about today is some more modern Mississippi writers. So who is someone on your list, Elizabeth? Well, I admit that I have not read a lot of the classic Mississippi authors, but I have been diving into the new authors. And one that came out a few years ago, right around the pandemic, I think, Hmm. when it started, was Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethewey. Um, I am not a poetry reader either, so I haven't read any of her poetry collections, although it's on my radar because next month we're doing a poetry collection for the Read with Mississippi. Yes. So I'm going to pick one of hers. So right. I'll, I'll have to have you well, tell me which one I should read. Not to be a spoiler, but you might hear about one of her titles in this episode. What? Yes. What? So, but Memorial Drive is a memoir of, of her but more about her and her relationship with her mother, who was murdered by her stepfather when she was just starting out at college. In the book, she she talks about how she has put off processing her loss of her mother, who they were very close. And, and she says to survive trauma, one must be able to tell a story about it. Yes. And I, I think that is, is really insightful because it, this book, she just, she and her mother, they go through so much and her, her stepfather is such a jerk throughout the whole thing and her mom doesn't leave him. Like he breaks into her little girl diary, you know, the kind mm-hmm. with the with little, little locks lock. on it and reads it. And so she starts writing all the awful things about him that Mm -hmm. she thinks because she knows he's going to read it but he can't say anything because then he will have admitted reading her diary right right so um so it's just it's 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 really good (laughs) that's such a a letdown but it it just it swept me away she has a way of writing that's just so lyrical she doesn't waste any words Mm -hmm. but they're all she'll reflect about something and you'll think oh yes that is the way that things are and I like an author who can do that Um, I obviously haven't experienced my mother being murdered Mm -hmm. but she made me feel like I was in that place you know I haven't read that and 
we may just swap books at the end of this um, <laughs> because I really, really want to read it now. Um, that thing you said about what she says about surviving trauma and telling a story. Um, several years ago, she gave a lecture at the Eudora Welty House. And if you've ever been to the Welty House, you know that there is a cat who lives there um, mm. named Sal. Anyway, during her talk, she's on a little stage and there's some chairs and Sal walked up the aisle like he was uh, a bride, basically, and then joined her on the oh, little stage. Sal. And it was hilarious. And was she gracious about she it? She was. She said something about, like, it was her first time sharing the stage with a cat. I, I, of course, made a video of it just because it was adorable. But she she said something similar, and I, I'm guessing she was probably writing Memorial Drive um, at the time and really steeped in that that world um, because the, the notes I took, because, of course, if you go to a talk, you have to take notes, right? Uh, that's a, right. you know, very librarian thing to do. But she said uh, what I wrote down was that she writes about painful things as a way to control the narrative. That way, if you tell a story about it, you're in control of it. You know what's going to happen, and it's not something that happens to you. You're no longer a passive uh, person in that. And it took her a very long time to be able to get to the place where she was able to confront what had happened. So this is, I think, 30 years later Mm -hmm. that she wrote this book. So... Well, there are, segueing into one of my books here, I chose her poetry collection, Native Guard, as one of my favorites. Um, It won the Pulitzer Prize. So the Native Guard uh, refers to, it's the Louisiana Native Guard, which was one of the um, only black regiments during the Civil War. So while the book deals with, you know, there are some poems that like specifically dedicated to uh, there's one called Elegy for the Native Guards. But what does it mean to be a black person in Mississippi? What does it mean to be a mixed race person in Mississippi? Um, there, there's also many poems about her mother and and her death and her processing of that. Oh. Um, so these really, yeah, yeah, you're going to, this is the I, I one do you're going to, yeah. I do want to read that yeah, one. Yeah, this is the one you need to read. But yes, this came out in 2006, and um, it won the Pulitzer in 2007. For people who aren't poetry people, this is a book that is very accessible. Like, if you are a poetry person, um, she does really cool things with format and style, and she does a lot of the, uh, the, the formats that aren't, like, we know, well... Some of us know what a sonnet is and how it's structured. I've you know. heard of sonnets. Yeah. Um, but she's either doing, using these other formats, like with different rhyme schemes or no rhyme schemes, um, or she's making them up. Um, and, and from that perspective, that's really interesting to me. And then you don't have to think that's interesting, though, to think these poems are interesting. Like I just opened at, uh, at random. And this, this poem on page 14 is called Myth. And this is one about her mother, obviously. The first line is, I was asleep while you were dying. And that's the first line and the last line because of the way the poem is structured. It sort of mirrors itself right. with the last lines. So, but don't let that, don't let my little soliloquy about um, poetry format uh, keep you away because I have recommended this book to other folks who have said like, uh, you know, I'm not averse to it, but I, I'm just not into poetry. And 
um, they enjoyed it. Uh, they were like, oh my gosh, I have now read a book of poems, like for the first time in my life, just because they are, I, I don't want to say they're easy, of course, because they're not easy poems to read. They're about painful subjects. But like you said about Memorial Drive, not a word is wasted. It's economical and very deliberate. Um, so it's a great collection. Big, big fan. I'm really looking forward to it. And plus, in, in Memorial Drive, she talks about how, I mean, her, her stepfather did not like her. And she talks about how he went to her college, I think, to visit her, and he was going to kill her. And she... He was going to kill her. Natasha, Natasha Trethaway, oh. I think. And so she thanked him or something like that. And so then he went home and, and killed her mom instead. And so she lived oh with that gosh. guilt. She she had so much guilt from that, I think. And, right. of course, it wasn't her fault. It was this awful, awful man. Right. But I'm really looking forward to to experiencing that that book of poems. I'm, and it's really short. It's very short. Let's see. We're talking 40. No, wait. That's even with 46 pages. Okay. That's I all can you do got. that. You can, I can do 46 do that. pages. It, it's intimidating for some reason for me to think about reading a collection of poems. So I'm, I'm excited to try. I think that um, if you approach it as, you know what, not every poem is going to connect with you. And that's okay. I think I think from years of going to school and being tortured with terrible poems, um, there is the the idea that you have to uh, like figure it out. What does it mean? What does it mean? Is this a symbol of something? You know, sometimes a tree is just a tree. But uh, if you approach it like, you know what? It's like listening to an album. Not every song is going to be your favorite, but as a whole, it's going to tell a story. Okay, I'm very excited. Great. What else do you have? I also have Kiese Lehman. He is from Jackson. He wrote a book called Long Division, which I read just several months ago, but it originally came out, I think, in 2013. And then he wanted to revise it along with his uh, essay collection, How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America. And he wanted to revise both of them. And his publisher said, oh, no, you'll have to um, buy them back. Make me an offer. Mm. And he's like, um, what? Excuse me? This is my work. And so he eventually made enough money from his, his work, like his uh, memoir, Heavy, to buy back the rights to both the essay collection and Novel. Long Division, not the novel. Um, he says he didn't get the audio rights, and that's why you won't hear him reading it. But um, Long Division is, it's this crisscrossy time travel, sort of fantasy, sort of examination of black lives in Mississippi at different points in time. So it starts out with this kid named City. He has a crush on this girl named Shalea. He's in a, um, it's not a spelling bee, it's like a, 
what does this word mean, I think, competition Hmm. sort of thing, or use this word in a sentence. It's like a dumbing down of a spelling bee, because that's all they thought that kids in Mississippi could do. Oh, okay. Um, More like a vocabulary bee kind of? Right, right. So, and he gets this word, and he's like, that that word is racist. How dare you, you give me that word, because I'm the black kid. There's a small melt meltdown on, uh, you know, the national program, and um, he gets sent to the country to Milahatchie <laughs> to be with his grandma, and he's reading this book called Long Division, and Long Division is about a kid with his same name, only it's set in 1985, and in the new version of Long Division, mm-hmm. the book that Kiesa Lehman wrote. You flip it over, and it's, which I get a big kick out of doing, you flip it over, and then it has the book that the original city is reading. I love stuff like that. It, <laughs> it so you, doesn't... So you physically turn the book yes. upside down, and then read yes. for a while, and then do you write it again? You don't write it again. Okay. It just... We're just always in that world. Right. Of, okay. So, and I need to go back and read it again, because I got to the end, and I was like wow, this is brilliant. I'm not sure exactly what happens. There's an element of what happens when you change the past and would the same people uh, mm-hmm. be there. And I loved everything about it. He, They also, they end up going back to 1964. There's some bad KKK kind of people and they help a kid out. The girl that he likes, she's involved and all wrapped up in it. It's it's a great story. It sounds great. I, I have not heard a an explanation of what it is or what it's. I, I knew that there was something where you turn the book upside down or start from the back or, or something. And I I like that element of things. I love a a book within a book. And somehow physically turning the book seems like even more fun. And I don't think they did that in the original version. Hmm. Um, so, and the new book cover is also very, very pretty. So, it's hard to resist a pretty book. And it's unfortunate that this is a podcast and you can't see the covers of my two other books that I wanted to talk about today because they are both really, really pretty. Um, I wanted to talk about Miss Jane by Brad Watson. Uh, to me, Brad Watson, he really can do no wrong. He, I mean, in his in his work anyway, I don't know who how he was as a person, but the cover of Miss Jane is this really beautiful peacock in blue and white, and it it's a gorgeous book cover. Um, so Brad Watson was born in Meridian, and he died... In the last couple of years, I can't, I didn't, I forgot to look it up. Um, But the first book I read of his was The Heaven of Mercury. And Mercury is a fictional Mississippi town that is probably based on Meridian, just because that's where he's from. And I was really blown away by how beautiful it was. My favorite kinds of books are weird and beautiful and a little bit sad like that those three elements have to be in it for to to meet my you know my top criteria and so miss jane came out in 2016 and it it absolutely 
uh, hits all those things. It is sad. It is beautiful. And it is weird. Um, it's based upon a, uh, a great aunt of his um, named Mary Ellis Clay, but she went by Jane. And she was born with a genital birth defect that um, really prevented her from being of use as a woman is of use in the early, early 20th century. She could not marry or have children, um, so she uh, kind of lived this alternate, you know, uh, reality for, for uh, women. So if that sounds like, like, oh, okay, that sounds, why would you write a book about this? But thinking about, um, you know, what her life was like and what she wanted and what she almost got, it's just a really, really beautiful book. What is her her birth defect? It's kind of hard to explain, but it's basically, I believe, there is a sheath of skin over where openings are. Ah. Um, so there were all. She also had issues with, um, you know, going to the bathroom. And, mm. uh, anything in that region that needs to come out, it was an issue. Oh, poor Miss Jane. I know, but telling a story about this, you know, that that sounds like, oh, that sounds kind of icky. It's just a really beautiful book. Um, and I, I opened at random this morning and I, just every sentence, again, like kind of like, it's almost like poetry, just that every word matters. I'm going to read, this is the beginning of chapter, I don't know what chapter it is. It's on page 63. By late spring of the year, she would turn six. A more complex awareness of her difference had begun to shape itself in her mind like the root of some strange plant down deep in the woods. She had moments when she felt like a secret, silent creation, invisible, more the ghost of something unknowable than a person, a child, a little girl. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And the cover's beautiful. The text is beautiful. Um, It was, I believe it was on the long list for National Book Award in 19, uh, not really 19, we did some time travel, uh, in 2017, I believe. I remember it being really, really popular when it came out. Everyone was reading it, and, or and it seemed like to me that everyone it was It was probably just it. me uh, talking in funny voices, like being someone else, <laughs> like, hello, I'm a new person reading this book. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of our staff read it. I remember that. Brad Watson did a book signing at Lemuria for a um, short story collection called Aliens in the Prime of Their Lives. Um, I don't know what year it was, but, you know, mid-2000s maybe, and we had this super awkward encounter. Um, There was uh, only one other person there at the signing, and he seemed very confused about the concept of a book signing, but maybe it was like to entertain himself because no one else was there. So he was like, I'm going to punk this lady who's standing here with a copy of my book and I'm going to pretend like I don't know what she wants from me. So uh, anyway, it was a little little weird, but he did sign my book. Um, we had eaten catfish near each other one time. And so when he, he asked, like, well, what should I write? And I, it, it was just such a weird encounter. So I was like, well, you know, we did eat catfish at the same table one time. Uh, and he, anyway, it was just. It and was, he wrote about the catfish? He, he wrote something like, it was great, I loved it. Or something like that. Um, <laughs> I should have I looked at my copy. I brought a library copy today, but um, to see what it was he wrote. But, you know, I'm, I'm always a little nervous going to a book signing now, like, <laughs> A, will there be more than one person here? And B, will the author 
know what to do when someone shoves a copy of his or her book in their face. Love him, though. It did, it did not deter my um, admiration. <laughs> so my next author, and I'm actually going to touch on several of her books, if that's okay. Absolutely. Angie Thomas is from Jackson originally. She has now moved to Atlanta. But she is a person who absolutely knows what to do at a book signing. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has no qualms about picking up that pen and writing something in. I went to her first book signing when she released The Hate You Give her mom was there. They had made cupcakes. Oh, my gosh. I think they were afraid that no one was going to come. It was packed. It was at Lemuria. I actually, I remember several years ago, she was at the book festival, and she was signing, um, I can't remember if it was On the Come Up. I think it was On the Come Up, which was her second novel. And her mom had to bring her chicken in the line because it was there were so many people that were in line to see Angie Thomas and she's like oh let me just have a little bite of this they're just they're such a sweet family um and and it really comes across in her books mm-hmm. um she grew up in a not great part of Jackson when she was six, she uh, there was a, a gunfight around her house, and um, she heard it. And her mom took her to the library the next day because she wanted her to see that there was a whole world out there waiting for her. And that's when she decided that she wanted to become a writer. Um, that's such a good origin story. Right? Yeah. Right? And she wanted to write fantasy but she thought that there wasn't room for her and her ideas. And so she, um, she pitched The Hate You Give, which was more clearly related to her own background. Mm-hmm. Um, she's actually now, she has a book coming out called Nick Blake and the Remarkables. And it's a fantasy middle grade book. So, and I think it comes out in April. So oh, I'm, fun. I'm pretty excited about that. But The Hate You Give, um, On the Come Up, and Concrete Rose, which her, was her latest one, they all three deal with uh, families and kids in this fictional setting of Garden Heights. And um, again, it's not the greatest surroundings, but it's a great neighborhood because they all um, look out for each other. Um, the families that she showcases are very much, yes, bad things are maybe happening to them, but they truly care about each other. Um, and that she has some really sweet interactions with brothers and sisters and um you know, uh, kids and their grandparents. And I, I really think they're enjoyable books. They uh, give kids a, a doorway to activism mm-hmm. for standing up for themselves and their friends and what they believe in. You know, I'm ashamed to say I haven't read um, any, any of these books. You are not a big... YA children's book reader. I'm really not. Um, And that, I mean, that's, that's why I haven't. But um, 
somehow somehow knowing that her mom took her to the library after a traumatic event has really uh, turned the tide <laughs> for me. That's such a that's such a little heartwarming library story. Right, right. Um, so, and I'm wondering which library it was. She says that she grew up near um, where Medgar Evers was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if that's the Alexander Library. Yeah, or the Richard Wright. Um, aren't that, isn't that one also kind of... That's, that? I think that's further south in Jackson. That okay. was on Terry Road. Oh, you know what? It is the Alexander Branch. Okay. That, that's, that's nearby. I had to get my uh, orientation. That's, that was probably where they went. Okay. Well, shout out to Alexander... The last book that I wanted to talk about, the last author, is Beth Ann Fennelly. Um, she is a poet, usually. Um, now, she wasn't born here, but she's been in Oxford since 2001. So we're going to call her a Mississippi. More than 20 years. Right. That You're, you're in good. Um, so she is a poet, um, and this collection that I really love is called um, Heating and Cooling. The subtitle is 52 Micro Memoirs. So it's they're not poems, but they are little tiny stories, basically, um, uh, little tiny memoirs. Um, she was actually named the Poet Laureate of Mississippi in 2016. Um, and um, she and her husband, the novelist Tom Franklin, wrote a book together called The Tilted World, which I totally loved. Um, I have a particular fascination with the 1927 flood. And, you know, everyone has their little thing that they're kind of weirdly into. And that's one of mine. Um, And it's a novel around that. Heating and cooling. Some of the the little stories are funny and some of them are sad. um, But uh, they're, they're all excellent. Uh, Some are, you know, one sentence, actually, and I'm going to read you one. This one is called, I Come from a Long Line of Modest Achievers. I'm fond of recalling how my mother is fond of recalling how my great-grandfather was the very first person to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge on the second day. <laughs> I mean, that that tells the entire story in one sentence. And it, it, it really, uh, I love that that's the story, you know, someone someone is telling about themselves it tells so much about the family it does um you know everyone wants to be important um and that that's my claim to fame i was the first person on the second day it was open you know look that's at the time i'm sure that was big stuff and i'm going to read one other one this one's called safety scissors it's a little longer it's a whole three paragraphs so watch out watch what you say about younger sisters within older sisters earshot You know, things like, what beautiful curls the little one has, and what long eyelashes. Forty years later, I can still feel the yank on my scalp as my four-year-old sister pulled my curls so she could shear them. Can still feel, as I sat trapped by the high chair's embrace, her finger forcing my eyelid down. Can still hear the scissors, snick, snick. Funny, but what I wonder at now is not that she did it, but that when I realized she was going to do it, I didn't struggle. She was going to do it whether I liked it or not, so I sat still. Even then, I had an instinct for self-preservation. And you see, I was right. I am alive, and she isn't. <laughs> so this, it, that, that's a poem, basically. 
you know, it's a poem about her sister and about the loss of her sister, really. Um, she has a lot of her, her poems about her sister are kind of all like that, where that you kind of want to laugh, but then you feel bad for laughing. Yes, um, <laughs> I feel, I'm sorry I laughed about your sister just no, now. She told it in a way so you would. And I, I just love that. Love this book. It also has just such a great cover. It is bright green and the... Um, where where the title is is on a popsicle stick of a grape popsicle that's almost all eaten so you see the heating and cooling on one end of the popsicle and then the um beth ann fennelly at the, um, the other end but um anyway great little you know i if you listen to this podcast you know i love a tiny book you can put in your purse and everything i uh, i talked about today can be i mean yes. miss jane's a little bigger but heating and cooling is it's a small book it is a small book and I actually, you recommended that one, and I took it home when it came out and, and read it in, I think, one sitting. Yes. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get up and go make supper soon, and I just sat and read the whole thing. So it's very, very readable. It really is. And, and I always feel weird when I say something is readable, like clearly it's a book, but some things are just are just more readable than others. You know, um, it's it's easy, but it's, um, I don't know. I, it, again, when you say something is easy, that sounds like uh, it means... It's relatable. Yeah, it it's relatable. And, yes, it is. And she has such an interesting voice of, I'm going to tell you something really sad, but in a funny way, or I'm just going to tell you something funny now. So Beth Ann Fennelly, uh, Natasha Trethewey, Brad Watson. Kiese Lehman. And Angie Thomas. Those are our picks for Modern Mississippi Writers. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was a little nervous, but this was really fun. Good. Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.